I don't know how to start this one. Um, I'm not going to write a cold open. Um, I'm just thinking about the conversation that Austin and I have later in this podcast about um, how we get into sports and just our origin stories of watching basketball. And it's just a good one. Um, it's old school radio. Like, uh, I mean, it's shades of Mad Mike and the Mad Dog. It's Austin and us on the walk-on. It's, it's old school. And it's also... It's wholesome at the end. It's a roller coaster of a ride. Just sit back and enjoy this one. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! NBA week continues with uh, my old radio partner and Austin. This is, we, we teased this way back the beginning of January. This is going up the thursday at the end of january the 28th uh we're recording this on tuesday um are you back in brooklyn i most certainly am back in brooklyn i'm still out in the island um yeah let's just jump right into it and uh we're not getting into your fandom yet we're saving that till the very very end but uh we'll start out and I mean, if you're doing a sports show and you're not going local first, then you're not doing a sports show. We'll go with the Brooklyn Nets, my team. Um, we're recording this before their game against the Heat. So far, the big three is one and one. They should be two and zero oh, if not for Colin Sexton. I have a piece coming out about the Nets, but I will tease it here. I like the. Uh, the potential of this team. I know that this team is nowhere near the, the final construction that they're going to go into with the playoffs. I know that their size is drastically uh, undermanned and they are undersized at all times. Um, what I didn't put in the piece, what I will say on here is Reggie Perry sucks. Um, he needs to get off the floor. I don't know why. We're, I, I understand why we're giving him minutes because he's a big body, but and the only way he's going to get better is if he gets minutes. But right now, he's he's awful. He, he can't play with the level of player that's on the court for the rest of the team. Um, we're still a guy short. We might be two guys short. Uh, we, need, we need defense. We need attention to detail on defense. And uh, Austin, as an outsider, as someone who hates on this team for more reasons than one, um, what is your, what, what's your opinion on my, on my Brooklyn Nets so far? Well, it's really interesting because living in Brooklyn, living in New York city, this is the first time in my life I can say I, I've lived in a, a true basketball Mecca. It's revolving around the team that plays the Barclays center in the Brooklyn Nets. And you know what, for what it's worth, it is a pretty fun time to be a net fan, although it's a bit of an uncertain one. So let's start, you know, last time you and I talked, I don't even think we were on the air talking about it, but I hated the trade that the Brooklyn Nets made for James Harden. We I feel like the they air. got that too greedy. I feel like they were trying to. Oh, you know, we, we weren't on the air. That's right. I called you. No, yeah. We, th- that was that, a podcast that, that, that didn't make the air. That was, that was one of the calls that could have been a podcast that wasn't. So. Yeah, I no, and yeah, I was just I mean, as hot. I, I think it 
I think it shook up a lot of things. I mean, not only that, I, I thought it was a bad trade for ev- everyone involved, except maybe the Houston Rockets who got Victor Oladipo, but that's not the point. Right now we're talking about the Nets. So we're not too long into this new big three experiment. And, and let's be honest, we've all had to eat our words because this team is the powerhouse. This team is scary. This team seems to score at will. The numbers are mind boggling. And now that Kyrie Irving has come back into the lineup, granted they dropped two at Cleveland, which were shocking thanks to Colin Sexton, that game against the Heat showed us a lot about this Nets team, its strengths and its weaknesses. Let's pump so, the brakes real quick here. The I'm just going to – I one, uh, if we were in BCR, you would see my face and just how shocked I am um, that you said that. We need to slow your roll for a second because the Miami Heat were undermanned. Um, Bam is going to do Bam stuff, and any talented big man is going to eat this Nets team alive right now. Um, they didn't have Jimmy Butler. They didn't have um, Tyler Hero, and they didn't have Avery Bradley. All three of those guys are impactful guys. It was a two-point game at one point. So that game plays out yeah, and, and here's what happens now with Kyrie Irving dropping 18 in the fourth. He's the thing. You know, this is this is the uh he's the, the cog. Ahead. He's the main cog. He's the only one that I care about. You you know why I hate on this team, and I've Don't never hated that. on the performance. Huh? Let's get into that. That's why what I have you on. That's why I put this top number one on the set list. This is why we're leading in with this. You hate this team. Stop acting like you're trying to like this. You hate this team. You got it. persona. Non-grata. I hate this team. I hate, I, I hate the personalities on this team. I, I don't like the guys on this team, but I can't deny that on, when, when they're on the hardwood in between the lines, they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're balling out. Do I think their personalities are a little bit toxic? You, yes. Do I think Kevin Durant is sensitive? I do. Do I think James Harden is complacent? I do. Do I think Kyrie Irving is well-meaning, but ultimately a distraction and can't make it more than two seasons without becoming a locker room cancer? I really do. But for right now, as of January 25th, 2021, the three guys have been balling together for what, a week or two weeks? And, you know, they're fifth in the East. It looks like they're going to climb up no problem. The entire dynamic of the East has changed for the foreseeable future because of this trade, in my opinion opinion the Pacers have lost their identity the Cavaliers have a new identity but one that's going to take a long time for it to come to fruition and yeah it's just everything shifted because of this this Nets team but they are fun to watch you're getting soft on me dude I I, I don't like this the fact you hate belligerently and with no remorse against Patrick Beverly and you don't think he's worth a damn Patrick Beverly is not worth a damn. All Patrick Beverly does is get fouled or draw fouls or, or foul. Uh, the, he fouls the other player, the best player on the other team, or fouls out himself. He just runs around the court and gets gross and talks a lot. I mean, you know, yeah, same well, thing with guys like Draymond. He's, got, he's dealing with some, uh, I think, knee soreness. But you hate on him, and you're not going to do the You do not like Kyrie Irving. And – Let's actually talk about Kyrie because he is the main portion of this to me because we've seen 
Harden and Durant mesh together, it's not going to take that much reps for them to find that mojo back that they had in OKC. Kyrie, who, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. I don't know if I've said this. I haven't said this publicly. Um, I think Kyrie means well. I, honestly, honest to God, even before it came public that he bought George Floyd's family a house, even before all that, you're not on a Zoom call with a district attorney's uh, candidate if you don't mean well, if, you, if you're not trying to change something in the city that you're in. He just has no idea what public perception is. And if he does, he doesn't care. And especially in New York, that rubs people the wrong way because they want you to be buttoned up. They want you to be the blue collar guy that just goes to work, balls out and goes home. And yeah, well, you can be a little fun Ky- on well, social the media. Kyrie Irving is that, well, think about Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. But the problem with Kyrie Irving is that he has a track record. You know, I, I think I agree with what you said in terms of his community service and what he's done for George Floyd's family. Dude, I'm, I'll support him to the end of time with all that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I will absolutely support any social justice movement that he is going with um, because I know he means well and those are good causes. I'm talking strictly about the game of basketball. And if we look at his track record from Cleveland through Boston now to Brooklyn Nets, he's been a distraction. And to me, he's shown that he has a Napoleon complex. He was. Does he really? He know? was deterred. Yeah, he absolutely does. You and I, you and I read the same story. Uh, what happened in Cleveland right before he left? They were telling Kyrie to make more space on the floor, fill different lanes for LeBron James to be better on or to fill different lanes. And his exact words were, "That's 23's job." He got to Boston. Same thing. They didn't win in the playoffs. He got impatient. He got bored. He's a player that needs to be stimulated. Here's that's. I used to say that at WBCR. He gets so bored so easily you have to keep him in front of the tv to keep him entertained and you know he got bored in boston and became distracted for that team and now look how boston's doing and now he's in brooklyn he's in my city a city that you know as well as i do tolerates no bullshit ever we don't do head cases new york is full of them go on the subway you'll see plenty of head cases we don't need them on our basketball teams so it's i think we do things are going because okay. that's why I love Kyrie. I love Kyrie because, and I forget who put this tweet out, but it was the guy who said, now the Nets have all three kinds of Brooklyn dudes. The the oddly tall guy, the guy with the enormously long beard, and the guy who, who believes in conspiracy theories. And, I mean, that's Brooklyn in, in a nutshell, especially Williamsburg. But um, – I like Kyrie because he's such a head case, because he's an aloof. But where I draw the line is when your loose cannonness leads to the endangerment of the team. Because even before, I, I really think this James Harden trade was a hedge on the Nets going, we don't know when the hell we're getting Kyrie back. He may never come back. So, to your point, I think this trade was to stimulate Kyrie to say, hey, we actually care about you. We want you back, A, because you're awesome, B, because we're giving you a ton of money to sit on a Zoom call or go party at, at an empty club. Come play with us. Come win a championship. And if he's buying in, he bought, I, he bought in from day one with this, with this big three. 
the moment he stepped on the floor in Cleveland, he bought in. And that's why I think this team can can do great Dude, things. I don't think I, – I mean, this is all conjecture on my part, but I don't think Kyrie has ever bought in to a team. I think Kyrie is like, you know, I can win here and I can produce here and I can help this team win. Uh, but as soon as, you know, the, the wheels start falling off, he's out. I, I, I've yet to see, other than Cleveland, which was the team that drafted him, I've yet to see some serious loyalty come out of Kyrie Irving. That's a word that, especially in the NBA, that's a word in the NBA that, that you can't toss around because there is no loyalty in the NBA. I know loyalty for a lot of players is just a word in the dictionary. I get it. I know it's a business. I know we're in a new era of the NBA where players are going to get their, this get isn't their the money. 80s. This isn't the well, 80s. Listen, that's all fine and good. And I want players to get paid. I want players to get their money. But, you know, why do people love sports? Why do we love basketball? Because of the storylines, because of the legacies. Um, let's be honest. I think our parents had it better than we did in terms of the NBA, just in terms of like the teams and the culture of the game. Loyalty has its place in basketball it's part of the nba story because we because players are synonymous with franchises and that's really not the case anymore the 1994 knicks did not win a championship but why are they one of the most beloved teams ever in the history of new york sports because that team we know the front and back of that team uh like we do our own family because they stood together and even though john starks never got a ring just using him as an example, John Starks' family in New York, his legacy lives on. And I think that's what makes basketball so great. And I think that's something that's slowly getting lost in the modern NBA. You're going to die on that hill. I'm sorry, but you're going to die on that hill alone. Um, that's fine. I'm dying on hills for years. <laughs> let's, let's switch gears to the rest of the Eastern Conference, in particular what's going on in Philly with a seven-foot monster who's on a mission in Joel Embiid and no one's going to stop him until he gets his prize. He's Aaron Rodgers. He is not going to be denied until he is denied. And right now it doesn't look like anybody can stop him. Not even LeBron and the Lakers, because what he's doing to people shouldn't be legal. His game has went up four levels since the last time we saw him, all the criticism that we heard that we gave him, he's taken internalized and is spitting it back out at us. Um, they, to me, are the only real contender to beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference right now. You give me Boston, don't care. It's yeah. I mean, Philly. What can you say? I mean, what can you say? You know, damn, this guy is good. I mean, I know you wish it's not even that deep. It's not. That boy can ball. Joel Embiid <laughs> is a man on a mission, like you said. And he's kind of leading this resurgence of the big man, which I think is really exciting because I feel like every day all I hear about is Joel Embiid and Joker over in Denver. So it's he's leading this resurgence of the big man. That being said, he's still a different kind of big man. I mean, the big man has evolved and Joel Embiid is the result of years of evolution of the big man. He can do everything. He, and it's incredible yeah, to watch. He is if you the, were to, if you were to have, you ever seen one of those uh, 
evolution charts where it starts with a with a monkey and it totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it would start with like i don't even know uh duckworth from portland Mm -hmm. and just evolve all the way to joel Embiid. (laughs) we'll be right back (laughs) feed hudson valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the hudson valley operating through duchess orange ulster columbia green putnam and sullivan counties it links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs through an app assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies. Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chow Match app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year, on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. We talked about my Brooklyn Nets, the power insurgence of, of Joel Embiid, and potentially the only man who can stop him in LeBron James. Now, let's switch gears to a huge announcement. Um, if you followed this podcast and uh, our old show on BCR, you know that Austin was a Chicago Bulls fan, and that's partially why he has such an infatuation for Derrick Rose, as does my younger brother, who was also brought in by Derrick Rose. But uh, now times have changed. You are jumping ship to another team, and uh, a lot of people, you might be jumping in at the right time. We'll get into it, but uh, who's your new squad? Well, I guess... If you don't mind, I'd like to explain myself. If that works. Ahead. That's cool with you. I don't because I don't know uh, the, the the evolution of this. Yeah, so let's see. I got into basketball at a young age. Right, I got into basketball probably uh, Mar- the Marbury time. So, oh six, oh seven. Any time I was playing basketball, yeah. Um, anyone in my every adult in my life at the time who were Nick Nick fans and were big basketball fans told me not to watch the Knicks. You know, <laughs> no, I, I, I can't help. That's how I was brought up. They don't watch the Knicks. They're terrible. Watch someone else. Now, I've talked about my dad a couple of times on this podcast already, but I have mm-hmm. to mention him again for the story. Uh, my dad would not let me watch basketball unless I sat down with him 
and watched a VHS tape from, I think, 1999 or something called Greatest NBA Guards. And I sat down with my dad and watched this VHS tape. And on it, it went from Bob Cousy to Jerry West to Magic Johnson all the way to Michael Jordan. And, you know, you could probably fill in the blanks here. I was infatuated with Michael Jordan. I was new to the game of basketball, but I knew right away that this was a different type of cat. It was a different type of person, a different type of player that had never been seen before. And I fell in love with the Bulls. I fell in love with the, with the history of the Bulls. I fell in love with the city of Chicago, which, yes, I've been to, by the way. I fell in love with, with the, uh, the madhouse on Madison, everything they had to do. Then the Knicks, then, uh, excuse me, then the Bulls drafted Derrick Rose, and I fell even more in love with the Bulls. And I followed this team and I did my due diligence. But after Derrick Rose, something happened. I started learning. I was obviously well into the game at this point, And I was still following this team. And I started to slowly realize that this front office, led by Jerry Reinsdorf, the guy who was king under, under the Jordan era, they, it, they just stopped caring. They stopped trying to win and they were just content to sit on the legacy that Jordan had built throughout the 90s. And the whole time, it's not like the Knicks are doing much better either, right? I watched Carmelo Anthony come and go. I watched the Knicks Another become the number two hate. seed in 2012. Not the point of the story. <laughs> um, it, not, you know, I didn't like him, but you know what? When he got there, it was fun for Knicks fans. And I was a little jealous that they had this new shiny toy to play with and I couldn't get involved. Anyway... Um, he almost was a, a bull. That was almost a big three. He almost was, and, and you know what? He probably, you know, that could have been a championship team. Um, he took the money though. So, so here we are. It's it's twenty twenty one, and the Knicks are terrible, right? But the Bulls are even worse, and the Bulls have zero direction. So I'm sitting down one day, and if we're being honest, uh, the last two years. I haven't even really felt like a Bulls fan. I've just felt like an NBA basketball fan. Yeah. I've watched every game. I followed every team. And I just want good games. And like, there's, there's, there's value in that. And that's fine. But I wanted a club. I felt like I wasn't home with any team. And I felt like the Bulls had just given up. And they're terrible. And I said, you know what? The Knicks aren't good right now. They're not. And I live in Brooklyn, New York. My father grew up in the Bronx. My mother is from Queens. It's time for me to come home. And you know what? Because the Knicks aren't good right now, I feel like it's the perfect time for me to jump and join the Knicks because you know what? I want to be part of that history. I want to be part of that Knicks story, the Knicks tape. And I feel that I'm allowed to do it because it's not like I'm jumping from the Bulls to the Celtics or the Bulls to the Nets. I'm going from a terrible team that doesn't care to win to a terrible team that's doing everything in its power to win. And I think there's honor in that. So that story reminds me a lot because I got into basketball around the same time. Um, and the number one guy that got me into basketball was VC, Vince Carter. And I will mm. always, that, that's the reason why I'm a Nets fan is because I, I turned on yes one day uh, expecting to watch a Yan something Yankees. And I saw Vince Carter and I went, well, what the hell is this sport? And who the hell is this guy? And I was a net fan until LeBron jumped ship and went to Miami. And then, yeah, I bandwagoned for a couple of years. But when, uh, and I've told this story on the pod, but when LeBron went back to Cleveland, I was like, okay, if LeBron's going home, I'm going home too. And I'm being, and I'm, 
getting back with my nets. Yeah, I mean, and, and not for nothing, just one more thing really quick uh, mm-hmm. that happened was over like the holiday break, like over like around Christmas time, uh, my, my dad found this old, no, he found this old dusty Knicks hoodie and he literally threw it to me and was like, this is yours. And I put it on and I literally felt like I was just joining a new team. And I was like, I'm home. This is it. <laughs> you know, my dad is very much part of my NBA story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how we get into sports as, as much as you want to say it, it's our parents. And... He was a street baller. I don't know if I ever told you that. I don't know if I ever told you that Joe, but no. he used to, tra- he used to travel up and down the East coast uh, and play in, it was called the big hoop it up three on three. I know what that uh, is. Yeah. And it was real. I mean, I don't know how it is now, uh, but like back in the, back in the day, back in the nineties, it was a huge deal. And my dad used to travel New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland. He used to go all across the East, up and down the East coast. And he was a point guard in street ball. And he was a good guard. Like I've seen the tapes and he was aggressive. My dad's like my height. Uh, and he was a fucking pit bull, man. <laughs> and uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I never, I never inherited my father's handle of the ball. I have a good jump shot, but the one thing I didn't inherit from my dad was I'm very aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that that I can, that I'll, I'll, I'll give you. But no, that, jeez, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's the that was started by KG and uh, I think Ray Allen started that too. Jesus Shuttlesworth, man. So. I think that's a good place to end. I think we've covered all things NBA and the East on the Eastern and <laughs> the Eastern Conference. I mean, and, did we talk about the Knicks at all? Or did you just talk about me rooting for the Knicks? Oh, I mean, we could talk about the Knicks. You're right. I'm, I mean, you say that they stink. I mean, some well, nights know, they look better than the Nets. Well, usually then they stink, but they're, listen, there's, I'm not trying to bury my team here, my new team, Joe, on your podcast. You know, gotta let me put them over here. I'll say this much. <laughs> Because I, I, I got to retract one thing I said before the break when I said that we don't like head cases on our teams. And I was wrong about that because there is one type of head case we like. It's not the type that Kyrie Irving is. Kyrie Irving, as far as head cases go, is soft. We like guys that throw headbutts and guys that get gully. We like guys like Tom Thibodeau who says, oh, you guys are playing on Martin Luther King Day? You guys are playing a game at 2 in the afternoon on a Monday? Every possession is World, World War Three. That's what that is. <laughs> um and we're, I listen, this team is a defensive juggernaut. We're eight and 10. We're number eight in the East. Um, everything to be excited about. Julius Randle is playing like how he was supposed to play when he joined the Lakers and before he broke his leg, his like sophomore year. So, no, that happened five minutes into his NBA career. That was his rookie year. That was his rookie year. Literally, oh, first game, Houston Rockets. It's like it was the first game of, I think, um, in LA, it's this new look Lakers team, and then their season goes up in smoke in five minutes. The what the Knicks are right now, and I'll give cred to the Cuz for this, is and he like he's he hinted towards this. They could be what the Nets were with D'Lo that first year in mm. uh, 2018 to twenty nineteen. That that's just scrappy. They're always in games. They might lose a couple close games because they don't know how to win them yet but they're always there and it's just 
so much fun to watch them play. And look at the thread. Look at look at the connection. Personally, who's the head coach of the New York Knicks team that I love so damn much? <laughs> the guy who got you very very close to a ring with D Rose, Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau. And now here's the thing: don't pick a favorite player because if you pick a favorite player on the Knicks, Thibodeau is going to play him for forty six minutes and blow out his knee. One thing we can end on this, and it speaks to the pandemic, um, is. If the pandemic wasn't around, Madison Square Garden would be blasted off to Mars right now. The, the roof would no longer be on the building. The Knicks fans would be going absolutely apeshit with this team. And we're 15 games in, but they would be going nuts. Yeah, and that's what's so great about this city. We're 8-10. We're 8-10, and 10. We're eight and 10, but they play hard, and that's what they want to see. Oh, listen, like Mitchell Robinson, too. Oh. Well, if he can – he's DeAndre Jordan 2.0. Wait on him. <laughs> Welcome to the Mitchell Robinson experience. <laughs> All right, man, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll give you the red carpet for everything you got going on, and um, we're going to do this again soon. Yeah, man, always fun to come and talk basketball with you. You know, that's my wheelhouse. Uh, but, yeah, so find me on Twitter at AirSanti, A-I-R underscore Santi, S-A-N-T-I, uh, Instagram at your boy Santi. Um, I think that's about it. Other than that, you know, Joe, you know where I'll be in my other wheelhouse this Sunday watching the Royal Rumble. On this side of the coin, not to fake Jay Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. I have my Hall of Fame ballot out for baseball. I have peace on the Yankees out, peace on the Jets out. And um, by the time you're listening to this, the net piece might be out. I might be accompanying the piece uh, with this podcast. And of course, speaking of the podcast, this podcast, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with anybody who you seem fit. We got an NFL podcast going out tomorrow. And uh, yeah, till then, closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.